do feedback, the right way to practice. Before I begin, I'm going to be having a new session of my course, Rapid Learner. Uh, registration is going to be on April 25th until April 29th. This is uh, 2022. So I'm going to give a lesson that's drawn from the material I teach in Rapid Learner. If you find it helpful or if you're interested in learning more effectively, be sure to check out the full course. The foundation for effective learning is practice. You get good at things by doing them. Yet within this simple observation is a maze of complexity. How should you practice to get the most improvement with the least time and effort? Good practice has three components. First, see. Look for an example of how to solve a problem. Two, do. Solve the problem yourself. And three, feedback. Check whether you got the answer right. These basic steps form a loop that can allow you to learn any skill or subject. Much of effective learning is about optimizing the details of this see-do feedback loop. Let's look at each part. 1. See. The power of examples. People don't solve problems by building general-purpose problem-solving skills. Instead, decades of research show that experts in a domain from chess to programming to medical reasoning all get good by acquiring tons of very specific patterns of knowledge. Now, what's the right way to acquire these patterns? Graham Cooper and John Sweller examined this in high school students learning algebra in a now famous study. Half the students were given a set of problems and asked to solve them, and the other half were given examples where the problems were worked step by step and the solutions were provided. After this, both groups took the same test. Who did better? The group given worked examples ended up doing better than those who solved the problems themselves, even when the problem-solving group correctly answered every question in the practice session. The authors explain their results in terms of cognitive load. When faced with a question where you don't know the pattern for finding an answer, people engage in a mentally taxing process of problem solving. This process is efficient for finding the solution to the problem in front of you, but it doesn't leave as much capacity left over for learning the pattern you can use to answer that type of problem in the future. Sweller's results showed that seeing examples and getting explicit instructions performing a task are very beneficial. The pattern can be learned correctly rather than guessed at. 2. Do. The need for retrieval. Of course, if watching alone led to skill, we wouldn't need to practice at all. We could just watch cooking shows and instantly become chefs or see a soccer match and pick up dribbling skills. Acquiring patterns isn't enough. The knowledge needs to become automatic skill in order to be useful. A study by Jeffrey Karpicki and Janelle Blunt shows that practice isn't just for physical skills. They had students learn from a text. Some read the passage once and then tried to recall everything they had learned. Others read the passage again and again multiple times. Before the test, rereaders thought they had mastered the material. Those who only read it once and then recalled the material expected that they would do poorly. Yet the test results were the reverse. Those who practiced recall did better than the rereaders. Now, how do we reconcile this study with the previous one, where solving problems did worse than those who just looked at examples? Now, there are two answers here. First, even in Carpickian Blunt study, subjects who practiced recall still read the text once. The disadvantage was for rereading the same information again, not for avoiding reading altogether. Now this makes sense. How could you possibly retrieve anything from a text that you didn't actually read? 
The second is that the power of practice depends on task complexity. Solving algebra problems was still an unfamiliar task for the participants in Sweller and Cooper's study. This meant answering a question required active problem solving. So that's not just retrieving a pattern from memory, but actually searching the problem space for different moves that you could make to try to reduce where you are to the goal that you're trying to solve in the equation. In contrast, Karpicki and Blunt were only asking students to recall anything that they could. This is an activity that doesn't require holding a lot of additional information in working memory while you're trying to arrive at that answer. So therefore, the best approach to learning is to see a few examples of the pattern to be learned. If the pattern is complicated and you can't remember it all at once, doing it once or twice with the examples on hand is probably helpful. And then later you should switch to practicing without the examples so you can perform it from memory. Three, feedback, check your work. Finally, you need to get feedback on your practice. If the problem is something with a straightforward, unique answer, seeing the correct solution is often enough. For skills with gradations of performance or more subjective measures of success, a teacher, tutor, or coach can give you the feedback you need. Feedback is vital for a few reasons. First, it can correct errors. Making mistakes when learning can actually be beneficial if there is quick feedback. Students whose expectations were violated by an answer remember the correct answer better later on. Second, feedback can train your unconscious learning system. The procedural learning system of the brain operates through rewards. It strengthens past actions that led to success and weakens those that led to failure. While this kind of reinforcement learning isn't suited to some types of problems, it can help you develop an intuition for skills beyond what you can consciously recognize. Finally, feedback directs your attention and motivation for future learning. By pointing out areas of weakness in your performance, you can spend more energy on the next see-do feedback loop to fix things. Without feedback, we waste a lot of energy focused on the wrong things. Implementing the loop. A loop like this can be applied to learn many different skills and subjects. Programming, to see a particular command, data structure, design pattern, implement it yourself, and then check to see that it works properly. Languages, see vocabulary, phrases, and grammar, test it out in a conversation, and check whether you're properly understood. History, read a book, write a passage explaining the main points, and check back to see what you've missed. Business, learn a new management technique, implement it within your company, and see how it performs. Getting this loop right involves subtly tweaking a lot of variables. One concerns the level of granularity. How much of your focus should go to big projects, programming projects, full conversations in another language versus component parts, so individual syntax or exact vocabulary that you might use? Another variable is the trade-off between tighter loops and more realistic practice. Flashcards may give you quick feedback when learning a language, but they won't teach many of the skills needed for fluent conversation. In Rapid Learner, I'll go into far more detail about how to develop and optimize your learning practice. Until then, start asking yourself how you might convert more of your learning activities into a see-do feedback loop. Just a reminder, Rapid Learner is available if you'd like to go check out the website at www.rapid-learner-course.com. You can sign up and see when we're having a new session. Thanks for listening to this episode. More episodes like this can be found by searching for Scott Young Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on most other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider rating my show as it helps other people find out about it. More of my work can be found on my website at scotthyoung.com.